Welcome to Repair Women Broken the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity Gorokov, your host, and today we are I will have a very special guest, Nikki M. Barrett. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here, Nikki. Thank you for having me, Gemma. It's it's a true honor. I, I'm really grateful. Thank you. So Nikki. Let's get started with having you introducing yourself with two elements. How you had barbers, what, what are the problems? That is the first part. And a little bit involved of your story with an emphasis on the kind of abuse you overcame in your life. Sure. So I am an intuitive life designer and an inspirational speaker. And wow, there's so much in my life to go over. I, I would begin probably at childhood with being set aside and really felt like I was an outcast in my own family, like I wasn't loved or wanted. Um, so abuse there, uh, two teenage pregnancies, 13 and 16, 10 years of domestic violence uh, in, in marriage, my first marriage, uh, and a horrific eating disorder that not, nearly killed me several times. Uh, the loss of my husband. So there's there's so many different different things that I've gone through. My own self hate, coming out of three suicides, wow, and suicides. So yeah, it, it's been a journey for sure. Nikki, uh, not long ago when we met, serendipity. And sometimes <laughs> we actually connected because we have inner stones and you have a much worse kind than I have, I have ever heard. And you shared with me your more than a life. And I know exactly why you have put more than a life written in there. Can you tell us why you put that? title and what book Albert. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I would share a little bit about my story. Those of us that have been through domestic violence don't wear, um, you know, a tag on our forehead that says that. So it wasn't something that I shared with a whole lot of people, but little nuggets of my story I would share and I would hear all the time, oh, girl, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. So I just said, yeah, I, I'll write a book. It'll be a mile in my shoes because I just felt like if you could walk a mile in my shoes and and make it, then you can consider yourself lucky. And I actually went to commit suicide um, in July of 1999. And I felt like God spoke to me and and took me away from being on the edge of a cliff and getting ready to drive over. He spoke to me and, and brought me back into... Um, into a place where I could at least be able to go forward. And September 7th, 1999, he spoke to me again, woke me up in a dream. It was such a clear vision. It's, it, the, the pixels were so much clearer than just me looking at you right now. It was crystal clear. And he showed me the cover of that book. And he told me that I was to write it. And it was to be called More Than a Mile because he's walked more than a mile in my shoes. So that's how that came about. He showed me with my shoes draped over the cross. It was very, very crystal clear of what that book was supposed to look like. Yeah. Yeah. And it is exactly how it looks like. <laughs> that's 
That's exactly it. Yes. Look at that. More than enough. The Nikki Barrett story with shoes on a cross and Nikki with black hair kneeling at the bottom of the cross, reading the Bible, reconnecting with her spiritual self. And it's, by the way, short reads. I read it in an evening, a long evening, but every evening. So it's really, really good. And um, I would say, spoiler alert, have your heart attached to seeing walls alone for goodness and grit through Nikki story. Because there is a lot of love, forgiveness, forgiveness, and grace, despite the horrific, horrific events that she describes. That I can tell you from a reader's perspective. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, you know, I didn't go as graphic into that book for several reasons because I didn't know who the reader was going to be, but I knew that my children were possibly going to be one of them. So um, out of love and respect for them, I cleaned it up as much as I could. You can get the gist of it, but um, walking through that, I, I actually had looked at a picture of myself today and I, all I could say is, girl, you have come a long way. You've come a long way from the girl in that book. <laughs> You've come a long way from the 13 year old pregnant teenager. You've come a long way. And, uh, the journey has been worth every step Been difficult, but it's been worth every step to be able to get to where I'm at today. And that's why I want to get out of this is to be able to share, uh, some of my story and to give hope. Yeah. That there is a way to come through this and to live a, vi a vibrant, you know, really happy. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And this book is available on your website, kmbarrett.com. Yes, just her name. Super simple, making sure that we connect and get her book from her. Now, there is a lot more than... When we just hear domestic violence, it hides its plethora of, of, of the heading. Not all those are friends, but many. And enough to actually imprint our identity. One key factor is this question of identity. How do you lose your identity and how did you get back your identity. Short version of what stories that come to heart when I'm asking that. Wow. Oh, that's a really beautiful question. So how did I lose my identity? It actually happened when I was three years old. I lost my identity. I don't remember the first eight years of my life. So I don't remember this particular incident, but I had always gone by Nikki. And my parents told me when I was three years old, we went to the beach. I got Sam, please had to have all of my hair cut off, looked like a boy. Everybody would call me Nikki and think I was a boy. So they changed my name to call me Michelle. Obviously, I didn't remember at three years old that my identity had changed. But the older I got, the less I identified with the human that I was. I didn't connect with Michelle. I didn't connect with this person. And I felt like, I felt like there was something wrong with me because I never could connect. Even though I knew nothing about the hair incident when I was three, I just couldn't connect with me. 
and then through the through the abuse in my family life, my home, my parents, my siblings, through that abuse right there, it just tears you down and just it, it almost kind of seals it that yes, there's something wrong with you. Yes, you're the problem child. Yes, you're the ugly duckling. Yes, you're the you know you're the one that we don't show off. Um, you know, it actually took after I had my daughter, it took two years for my family members to even find out I had a daughter. <laughs> I wasn't even allowed to go anywhere. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to go to any family outings or anything. So, um, and then when I got married, of course, you take on that identity of being the wife, right? You get a different last name, but he just put more nails in the coffin by beating me down, reassuring me that I was no good, reassuring me that I was worthless reassuring me that I didn't deserve to be treated with any kind of, of love and grace and uh, anything, you know? So it wasn't until until I got out of that marriage and I met my second husband that I started learning that, wait a minute, maybe they didn't tell the truth. Maybe there is a little bit more to me than what I knew. And he loved me so beautifully and just started building me up. And actually, in 1999, I went to the courthouse and I legally had my name completely stripped and changed to Nikki M. Barrett. So that's when I took my identity back and I came into the embodiment of being who I had always felt like I was. Get that. Yeah. And because you had this experience of being stripped off your identity, being plugged in and all the identity that was not yours, then getting rid of that to discover and to start to love and to receive your true identity, which is Nikki F. Barrett, with all the Nikki and all the sound and all the, all the beauty of being loved, you are one hundred percent qualified to help others on their journey to finding their identity. Yeah, you know the path. Absolutely. You know, I think I think what qualifies me is I'm still going. I think that's what qualifies me. That I have seen so many people that have gone through struggles and deteriorate. And I knew that as long as it's called my life, I was going to take control of it. I was going to be the one in the driver's seat. Now, anytime it's called your life, you take the wheel. Yeah. But as long as it's my life, I was not going to let somebody else define it. And I was going to find a way out of being the victim. I was going to learn how to turn pain into power and purpose and turn tragedy into triumph and turn abuse and violence into love and forgiveness. And I was not going to stop. There's no way I was going to stop. And each step of the way, I felt more and more empowered. And I just kept going and kept going. And, you know, it's a lifelong journey. It really, I don't use the word in recovery because it makes me feel like there's something wrong with me that I have to get better over. I just say I'm on a journey. And these are the stepping stones that I've crossed along the way. And, and I, I don't intend on rearranging those stepping stones. They got me here. Um, and then who knows what the stepping stones will be ahead of me. But I know that I'm better equipped today to take those steps forward and stay balanced 
than I was before. So that's what I want to help other. I want to help other women understand that there is a pathway forward and it's unique to them. It's unique to each individual. Like my pathway forward is not your pathway forward, but together we can find your pathway forward and you can do it with dignity and grace. And you can look in the mirror. I remember, um, I remember I couldn't, I had a horrific eating disorder that was just, um, kill, was killing me so many times, but I couldn't look in the mirror. So I completely changed. Like the book shows my black hair. Not that I have black hair now, but uh, this is natural gray. But before I transformed myself into Barbie because I could not look at that abused girl that eventually became that abused woman in the mirror. I didn't want to see her face. So I transformed myself, and you'll read about that in the book uh, and, and see the pictures or follow me on Facebook. But um, I wanted to look in the mirror and see somebody that the world adored because that's what I wanted. I just wanted to be loved. Like, how bad can I be? I just wanted to be loved. So if the world thought Barbie was the best, then I was going to be Barbie. So I starved myself down to, you know, such the, a tiny figure and I completely flattened blonde, changed the color of my hair so that when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see this wounded woman. And one day I was standing in the mirror and God told me to touch my face. And I said, what do you mean touch my face? You know, we put our makeup on all the time, right? Like, what do you mean touch my face? And I touched my face and it was so sunken in like my eye sockets, everything. But what I saw when I looked in the mirror was almost like going to one of those carnival things where you step in the distorted mirror and either it makes you tall and thin or, you know, short and, and stuff. So I always saw myself as just being so big, like I couldn't starve myself enough. I was taking 20 laxatives and five water pills a day for 11 years and 11 months. I know. So when I say I was starving myself, I would even wear big clothes so people wouldn't see. But the, the point is, when I looked in the mirror in that moment, when I heard the voice say, touch your face, it was like, oh my God, these are more lies being revealed to me because I thought I was huge and really everything has sunk in. There's just skin bones here, you know, so... Yeah. Now I look at myself in the mirror and I, I have gray hair and I was just talking to a girl yesterday and she says, I'm, I'm going to, where's that head of hair? Like, you know, I'm going to color my hair because I have all this gray coming out. I'm like, baby, let it go. Just be you. The word says you can't have gray hair at, you know, you're 35, whatever your age. Forget what the world says. Be you. I love my gray hair. I can't believe I colored it for so long. But now I look in the mirror and all I see is radiant love. That's what I see today. And that's what qualifies me to help people. What I've come through to get to this point totally qualifies me to help you or anybody else realize that you have your own personal path and you can get there. Exactly. And what I'm going to confirm here is that you can get all the, all the certification that you want. You can pay $10,000, $20,000, all the certificates and all the kids you want. What matters most is not what you have accomplished in terms of studies. It's your experience and how you connect with others and how you hold up. 
that is what really qualified you. The rest is good, but not essential. I, you know, I have certifications, but you can take them all away because they didn't get me through the stepping stone. None of my certifications got me through the stepping stones that I am here today, other than eating healthy, right? Because the nutritional mind body eating coach helped me get through uh, some of them, but none of them gave me the clip. Connecting spiritually is what did it for me. It's the spiritual connection. It's this going this way yeah. that put everything together. Yeah. You don't need a certification and you don't need to be any particular, you know, there are so many people out there that says, I'm not spiritual or, or I'm not Christian or I'm not Catholic or I'm not Muslim or I'm not, you know, whatever it may be. You don't have to be. We are all connected to a divine source you define in your own way, yeah. right? All connected to that. And innately, we have that understanding that there's something out there greater than I am that is playing some type of a role in my life. And once you connect with that, this becomes incredibly beautiful and and worth. I think I had three suicides planned. I had two of them planned in 22. I had two of them planned. I had the, the July one tattooed on my hand. And I had two of them planned in 22 after my husband's transition. And when I think that, that maybe I wouldn't be here when I'd come so far, I never would have wanted to miss out on this. I would have never wanted to miss out on looking at that woman in the mirror this morning and saying, good morning, beautiful. This is going to be an incredible day because you're here. Right? I mean, inspirational is so accurately defining how you stir truthful emotion in the audience. Because you speak with your heart, with your experience. You have your entire body. I don't know what age exactly you are. But you have your body that has gone through heading and back. And back. That matters even more than going to pen. We have an episode here on Ruth the Woman that is titled If um, When You Walk Through Hell, Keep on Walking. Because even hell has a book. Yeah. Well, I think I don't face in. I think I don't face in there. I, I don't know. It's just, uh, but you know what? I dug myself out of the trenches. Yeah. Well, um, it doesn't matter how I got there. I dug myself out of the trenches and I learned what love is. I learned what real love is. I learned 31 years of a man showing me that I am an incredibly beautiful woman. You know, my mom told me uh, one time that no man was ever going to want me. And that was ingrained in my head for so long that I thought no man is ever going to want me, truly. And here I'm thinking, my family doesn't want me. There's no man that's going to ever want me. And, you know, we're we're told we're going to grow up. We're going to get married. We're going to have kids, the house, the white picket fence and everything. And I thought, well, that's not going to be my dream. That's not going to be a part of my world because if no man ever wants me, that's not going to happen, right? 
for 31 years, he showed me what real love looked like. So I carry that with me. Even though he's transitioned, I still had the, I still know that I am love. And, and that experience changed my life forever. Sure. It changed my life. I know love today. And I am that love. So now I have a question for you. Yes. I know because part of your story, I have a similar story, different but similar. I know what the feeling that you share. And I discovered one thing. Even when you are loved and you know you are loved, you can still plan your suicide. You can still want to not be here anymore. What happened that pushed you to the edge again after knowing love? And how did that stop and change and shifted because you are alive to do it in 2024? Right. Welcome. <laughs> so, um, so after 31 beautiful years with the most incredibly amazing man I have ever known and probably will ever know, uh, he died in my arms on September 26th at 4.52 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I don't know what other people think when they go through something like this, but one of my most, you know, it makes me cry even thinking about one of my most earliest thoughts was now no one will ever love me because <laughs> I know that that was one of my earliest thoughts because for 31 years he loved me and I go back to no man is ever going to love me the only man that ever truly loved me the only person that ever truly loved me so beautifully just left and I did not see a pathway forward without him. His love was so incredibly beautiful. I'm going to bite these tears. His love was so incredibly beautiful that I couldn't see what life would look like without him. So I did plan April 6th was my first suicide that I had planned. And uh, I'm not going to go into the details, but that was my first suicide. And I wrote 11 letters and I got I gave 99.9 percent .9 of my stuff away uh, two businesses away little when I say 99.9 percent .9 of my stuff away I mean everything I mean underwear belts shoes household appliances two business everything you can think of I gave away because I wasn't going to be here I wiped my computers clean I wiped my phone clean I wiped everything clean I changed my bank information I I wrote a little book that my kids would have all the, uh, you know, all the information in. Um, and then I had gone to my grief group one day and talking about suicide in a grief group is pretty common because it, it's a natural thought. So they weren't surprised. But what they were surprised about was when I handed them their letter. And I said, I, I'm really serious. Like, I know people talk about suicide, but I can't see going forward. And we had this long conversation and I connected with some other groups and felt like, okay, maybe if I can connect with my husband, one of the groups was talking about how you can stay connected to your um, loved one that had passed away. And I thought, okay, that will give me hope because 
you know, I need to know that he's eating. I need to know that you know somebody's taking care of him because I'm the one for 31 years care of him. I know that probably sounds silly, but those were my thoughts, right? And as time went on, I realized I, I couldn't, I just, I didn't want, this life didn't appeal to me. And so September 26th at 4.52, one year after transition was my, my second. And I had one of the letters I had written was to the first responders um, because I, I knew that it would be hard for them to find me. And I wanted them to know that I, I wasn't crazy in my mind. I just had made the choice that I did not want the life without this man. And, um, and then I came to California. I took my husband's motorcycle, what I had left that was important to me to my husband's, to my son's house. Now, he does not know this, but I took it all to my son's house. And he thought I was really going to just live there with him. But my focus was still to die, but to get all of the important stuff to my son, to where I know he would honor his dad and with his sisters, you know, take care of that stuff. And then I was learning about the other side and I connected with a guy who was world renowned for his work in the Akashic Record. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but it's kind of like the book of life in Christianity. So he connected with, I connected with him. He connected into the Akashic Records, spoke to my higher self and my higher self said, of course, we don't see it as suicide on the other side. We see it as a soul that wants to, you know, just end their contract and come back. There's a lot you have to do and you definitely have to come back. So let's reconsider this. But you actually came here to do something really profound. Do you really want to step aside and not complete that work? And in that moment, I thought, wow, I'm not this human shell. I am a soul inside this human shell that came here for a reason, that had a heart to come here and accomplish something. What right do I have to deny that soul the right to do what it came here to do? Like, I really don't have the right to do that. I'm just a human shell. But the love of a soul that has a plan to accomplish something for its own personal growth, there's no way I could stand in the way of that. So that is what shifted everything for me. Then I dove head first into finding out everything I could about the other side, everything about the soul, everything about um, releasing all the pain in a way that worked for me. And that's how I work with clients. I find what works for you. What worked for me was connecting with the other side, was raising my vibration. Activation breath work, Ocean Eagle out of Sedona has been mind-blowingly transformative for me he's given me that release of being able to do the breath work that allows me to stay positive but also to scream and get out what i need to get out it was profound in the book i would do what we call our morning screen and i just kind of connected to the two and i i do that now all the time so so that was the shift just realizing that this life isn't about me there's something greater again it goes back to that spiritual connection there's something greater than me at play here and once i realized it i realized that that greater than me is the real me how's that mind blowing <laughs> and it's
monumental. Monumental. I was no longer an option for me. <laughs> I'm done. I want to live. I want to experience. I want to explore. I want to feel. I, I absolutely love to feel the rain. I love to feel the air. I love to feel everything because it tells me that I am alive and I am connected. <laughs> I have so much life and love and that pure, divine love radiant. I mean, the words that you have chosen are so accurate. So what? Because this is everything that we we feel no which nurture when we yes. heal because you actually nurture our soul's soul. And that takes me into the next book that I'm writing called Cement Shoes. And it's all about the right person. You can have somebody, you can be a human, right? And and be nurtured by the wrong people. Okay, and never reach your greatest potential. How many roses have you seen that have never fully opened? Right? Do you have any idea the beauty inside of a rose that is fully opened? It is incredible. And one day I was looking at the rose. Greek would bring me roses all the time. And one day, I mean, for years he brought me roses and I paid zero attention to it. One day that rose was opened and I saw the yellow and black and the beauty. And I said, oh my God, that's what's in all of us. We all have so much beauty. We're just waiting to open and let that beauty out. It was incredible. Lily. Who is your ideal client? Who do you love to work with to help on this? You know, I honestly, I love everyone. Who do I feel most targeted to? I feel most targeted to the mature woman. And I say mature because I, I think age 40 and, and beyond would probably be more of my targeted um, audience. The woman who her whole life has felt like she was worthless, like she was nothing, maybe struggled with an eating disorder, struggled with identity, struggled with suicide, struggled with domestic violence, struggled with fitting in, struggled uh, in so many ways that um, if I can say, you know what, let's end the struggle. Let's end it right here and now. Let's make this the defining moment. Then you no longer struggle because that which you resist persists. So let's stop resisting. Let's stop the struggle and let's learn how to move forward and let it all go and be who you are supposed to be. I would say the woman 40 and beyond. Mm -hmm. 40. I, I don't think I would turn anyone down uh, because I just love everyone and I want to help. But I think that if I find that would be mine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you have Nikki and Barrett, N I K K I. Your version of Google. Yes. Just that to M Barrett, B A R R T T. So, what uh, All right. So, just NikkiMBarrett.com. That's your plus word, which is a point 
uh, contact website where you can share everything that you do in real time, especially yours from now, like chicken, where are you at? All right. <laughs> and discovering what you do now. How about that? Yeah, yeah definitely. NikkiMbear.com is the best way to get in touch. That's beautiful. Nikki, it's, I'm just going to give the audience a glimpse of how we met because it's just exceptional. <laughs> it's just, it did not happen before. So, um, one year ago, I moved from California to Arizona and um, discovering and discovering the entire state and how everything is over here. And it's, it's gorgeous and it's the desert. And I felt that desert was being dead. And I discovered that the desert is so alive with so much food and so much variety of plants, of animals, of plants of possibilities. I mean, I discovered that it is just gorgeous. And I wanna <laughs> my first big discovery. And um around Christmas, uh, before Christmas to all the um my beloved third last woman husband Sasha brought me to his good event. What was that? Like the quite old walking update. Okay. Whoop. I'm happy to go there. And being there, Nikki as well brought the mobile diet experience, best of life, and it's the best event, and it's the best woman that you It's always beautiful to see a lovely tree like me, especially around all the decoration of and, um And we were just in the same environment, in the same equal earth mode out in that um, spine resort, resort and spa. And um, remember Sasha talked to me and me connect with that woman. Okay. I don't know what to say. <laughs> what <the> hell? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, oh, you again. I don't know. Something very like, I don't know. But that book of Sasha constantly does that has that that surge that I don't know that feeling he knows people before they know ourselves basically and when he told me that I actually made an effort to make a connection and and, and to talk a little bit he just like small talk nice here around says I don't know and then uh, talking about children's uh, at home and whereas that we all have chicken or actual like yeah, interesting. And then we keep on talking and realize that always I have to put in a little bit of my story because there's a reason why I'm here. Because I'm victorious of domestic violence, beaten, put down, raped, and was killed twice by stealing. On its own of the second one ended by me. We side plans inside, even if I planned a minutes support. And I was actually going to do it. And when I told that story, Nikki was penting so much so because of all the references, her plans suicide, her hearing God's voice at some point, as I did hear God's voice, let me out of dying. 
and to really to write true, true, true intentional to us to actually change my life and get rid of emotional pain due to domestic violence. And because we had so much in common, kept on talking and kept on talking. And when I heard things of her song, and I was like, gosh, all right, so let's connect and do something about it. And before I knew it, she texted me, I'm going to overnight my book. Okay, never anybody back before her. And I received that book in the many more than a month more. The cross was a close of the cross. I was like, wow, okay, uh, I'm going to do the honor of <laughs> I'm not going to let it go. I spent an entire week, probably from six to midnight or something like that. I read it all. This is why I say you have to have a, a, a strong heart and root for love of Russian people because transpire every page of the book through horrific events that happened. And I know because I was believed through some horrific books, she watched a lot what book she first gives us, it gleams a direction and idea of what happened, not too many details, as many stories. So with that in my heart, now we are going to record that so that we know each other and we can bring you the best today. Absolutely. Let me just share, uh, we were talking a bit ago, when we were sitting there in front of the Christmas tree and it was not lit up, the way my mind was thinking was, here is a tree about to reach its fullest potential and it has this amazing audience all around it. And we're all waiting for that moment. Like I remember the countdown, 10, 9, 8, 7, until we got to the point when they flicked the switch and the tree lit up. You are that tree. I am that tree. Every last one of us is that tree. And the switch can be switched at any moment. And you can reach your highest potential. And you have an audience, just like I have an audience. You have an audience. The listeners have an audience whether they have it on an airway like this or they have it out of their next door neighbor or somebody in the grocery store that needs what they have to offer. So if there is an importance for us to overcome these and to reach our fullest potential and light up the world and give back. <laughs> My gratitude is beyond words. Also. Much. Appreciate it. <laughs>